Hey everybody, on this week you guys talking sports, we're going to do our recap of the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the blockbuster trade that happened in um, baseball. We're going to get to some of the trades that also happened with the NBA as the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 p.m. All that a little bit more on this week you guys talking sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Um, this week we're going to get into a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff has been definitely going on. Um, the, the Kansas City Chiefs um, won their first Super Bowl, excuse me, their second Super Bowl since the uh, very first one many, many moons ago. Um, Major League Baseball, we definitely got some hot action with the, um, with the um, LA Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox making a hellacious trade. Um, and, of course, NBA is heating up. All-Star break is coming up, and there's also the trade deadline. So there's been definitely a lot of movement going on. So it's been over the last couple of days, um, just a lot of stuff been popping off. So we definitely got a lot of things we want to get to. Um, so before we get that, I want to say what's up to my co-hosts, um, Ace and Al. Um, and don't mind me, so I got something stuck in my throat from earlier, so I'm a little <laughs> can't get all my words out. So, how you guys feeling tonight? I'm good, man. You know, it's Wednesday. Next ten days supposed to be nothing but rain, so it makes me want to believe that spring is closer than uh, than we want to believe. <laughs> but outside of that, everything's wonderful. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. Um, I was feeling a little bit under the weather last week, um, but. I'm good now, so I'm ready to get started. Um, but it does feel a lot like spring. You know, these temperatures of 50s, at, at least in around my way, um, mm-hmm. definitely has that spring type of feel to it right now. So I'm ready to get started. <laughs> and indeed we shall. So um, before we get started, um, I know we touched on, obviously, um, the NBA world and the world in general is still mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and all the people that died in that tragic um, helicopter accident over a week ago. Um, and I mean, Al, I mean, Ace gave our thoughts upon it. Um, Al was not here. So just real quick, Al, um, your thoughts and reflections on um, everything that transpired with um, Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the other seven people that were on that um, helicopter. Um, real quick, um, because I know y'all guys already touched on it, uh, but, um, it was funny because when I first heard it, I was still in shock, um, in regards to it. So, um, kind of heartbreaking, um, not so much, I mean, not only because of Kobe Bryant, the player, but, um, Kobe, Kobe Bryant as the father and to lose that, lose him and his daughter, um, on the same tragic event is very tragic. Um, goes out to the entire Bryant family, to the entire L.A. Um, fan base out there because, you know, it's tough to lose someone the way that we lost that person. And I'm going to be honest with you, um, I, in the beginning, um, I thought I had my thoughts on Kobe that was, you know, because I was at that time, I, I kind of liked the Charlotte Hornets and um, I wanted him to be a part of Charlotte. And especially since I was planning to go down to school down there and everything. So um, I think he did it. He, he, he was drafted in 93, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, it was um, maybe 90, maybe like 96. Oh, 96? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. It was 96 because I was leaving Charlotte. 
And I was, I, I started becoming a fan when I was down in Charlotte. So it had to be after that 96. Yeah. So it was 96, but the whole thing was that, um, I thought him going to LA ever since then, I just had a, I wasn't really feeling him like that, but he definitely earned my respect as years went on and, you know, got to the point where I was rooting for him and not just about the career, but the life that he was living out past, even after retirement. Um, with his daughter and everything, you know, being the person that he was, um, still loved the game and everything. It was just something that, you know, I, I truly admired um, because his heart was still about basketball, even though it was more about family after the basketball career. Um, but it was still about basketball. And to lose someone that was such an icon in at least in the era that I was was when I was playing ball and, you know, seeing how that progressed and everything. Um, it truly was heartening. Um, sad, very sad. And I just want to say that, you know, I love the mentality that he had. <clears throat> Where a lot of young people nowadays um, still thought that, you know, just off of their skill set alone, that that would be enough to carry them in the NBA. And you know, he had that mentality is that showing that you have to do so much more and put so much heart and effort into the game to get to where you want to be in life. And, you know, a lot of people now are starting to understand what he was trying to do. And I, I really think that that's something that needs to continue to push forward. Um, so, like I said before, I know everybody talked about the life and, and the legacy of Kobe Bryant. And he has, you know, done – he has – been such an influence in a lot of people's lives and you know just looking at it as, as a fan perspective I think you know I it's one of the things that I truly liked about him um it's just more so just his mentality of sticking to it and his toughness and his determination and hopefully that will carry on to the younger generation and you know be an effectiveness so to speak uh, be a pavement to how the younger generation is when it comes to the NBA and working hard to get to where they want to be, to make it in the league at least. So, um, like I said, tip, uh, kudos to him, RIP to Kobe Bean Bryant, RIP to Gigi, RIP to the seven members who died in that as well, in that helicopter crash, because it's not just about Kobe and, and of course, Gigi, of course, but all the people that lost their lives and the families that are affected by it. Um, it's kind of hard to see someone like a family member go out like that and just praying for them to have be more tighter than, you know, to some way come out of this, um, some way, shape or form, just praying for them to continue to, li to live the lives that they know that they can live. I think that's what they, people would want them to do and just hopefully and prayfully that they're determined to do that. That's all I have to say. I, I know Kobe, I mean, I know people said about, talked about Kobe and the rest of the, the people that died. So I just wanted to get my thoughts and takes on that. And prayers go and condolences goes out to all the families that are affected by it as well. Yeah, I'm with you, right? To, I'm with you too, man. Our, our, our heartfelt prayers and everyone pray for the family as there's going to be a lot of long and tough days, weeks, months, even years. Um, yeah. For all the families affected moving forward, so yeah, so we'll, we'll keep going our thoughts. But as you know, um, life unfortunately does move on. Sports does move on, and the Super Bowl was played last week, and we have a new Super Bowl champion. The Kansas City Chiefs won. 
being the San Francisco 49ers, unfortunately, sorry, Ace, I picked your 49ers to win, and I went I went against the grain. But um, we all know what happened, but, but they're getting right down to it. I want to have a, a specific question. Do you guys think it was more Kansas City winning that game or more the 49ers blowing it in the fourth quarter? Niners blowing it? <laughs> I'm going to call it because if they got the number one defense – you don't give up two. You don't give up fourteen points in the fourth quarter, or twenty-one if you really want to be honest. <laughs> that late, that late touchdown when they drove it up to eleven. You know, because they were down twenty-four twenty, and then they had that late touchdown uh, to push it up to thirty-one twenty. But uh, defense all the way. Um, I put some blame on the offense. I put some blame on two people on offense. Uh, Jimmy G, they missed that wide open uh, pass right there within tw- two minutes to uh, – <coughs> oh, I can't even think of the wide receiver's name at the moment, but he overthrew him when he was wide open on a touchdown. We probably Debo? Huh? Debo or, or Kittle? Samuels, actually. Samuels, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I blame, you know, there's a little bit of blame on Jimmy G on that one, but then there's a little... That offensive pass interference against Kittle is debatable. Uh... <laughs> I don't think it's offensive pass interference, but that play right there is probably as good enough a play as any that sit there and says that if the Niners would have probably got that call in their favor, they at least get three out to play. And I'm not saying that three is enough to sit there and win the game, but that three is enough to sit there and decide what the Chiefs would do on offense with their next possession. So I think there's a little bit of blame to go against all of the 49ers. And uh, as a fan, I am disappointed. But as you guys know, I never sat there and was touting for Niners all season. I think I really got on their bandwagon once they got the Super Bowl. <laughs> as a fan, <laughs> did you have your uh, Ronnie Lott jersey on, man? No, sir. And that's um, what happened. <laughs> you, you know what? I did not wear any jersey or any 49ers paraphernalia on the Super Bowl because I didn't wear any 49ers paraphernalia during any other game. <laughs> so you got to be consistent. That's true. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. And uh, I hope like hell that this left a nasty, foul, sweaty taste in their mouth. And uh, make them work even harder to get back there next season. Because I know how hard it is in football, especially with contracts and folks want to get paid and do everything like that. I hope that the core of the Diners is still locked in and they can go ahead and try to make another run. But blame goes all around with the 49ers. And tip my hats to the Chiefs because they did what they had to do to make sure they got the victory. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I did pick I did pick 49ers to win it. Um I was very suspect of, I was still reluctant because of the Chiefs defense. 
Um, but let's be honest, they showed improved um, at this stage as well. They were consistent enough. Um, they got consistent on the right time and the right path um, to the Super Bowl. And I, I, I see where you're coming from, Ace, in regards to the 49ers. But I, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say that the Niners offense, I mean Niners, the Chiefs offense um, did what they needed to do. I think they figured out um, what to do. Um, they just said, you know what, we're not going to, we're just going to just go ahead and do what we normally do. We're going to do what we did to get us to this game. We're just going to air it out and just, we're just going to do what we did offensively to just handle. And it took them a while, but like you said, in the fourth quarter, I think they found their, a pathway to success for them to become champions. And I think that once they figured it out, once they figured out the game plan and I guess they just was like, is that we're at a word I'm looking for the stop playing safe mode. Let's just, whatever happens, happens. Let's just go out there and just be the team that we are offensively. And I think that they did that. I think all of the, 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 the Super Bowl, the whole hype around it, I think they got into their heads in the beginning of the game so much. I mean, to the point where I think that mentality wise, they wasn't really prepared for it until Coach um, Reed was like, yo, just go do you. Just have fun. And I think that's what ended up happening when they just started opening up and said, we're just going to do whatever we can to, to, to score, at least offensively. Uh, so I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I, I think that Kansas City offense um, really came out in the, fourth, in the fourth quarter and did what they needed to do to win. Yeah, I'm with, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, the 49ers do, you know, I think it was a little bit of both. I think the 49ers kind of let it get away from them in the fourth quarter. And, you know, as, as much as Kansas City took it from them. Um, and I know a lot of people have been kind of getting on, you know, Jimmy G. And there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the, um, they should trade or try to acquire, um, I'm about to say Joe Montana, good, good Lord, um, Tom Brady. <laughs> Because he can do with that squad. I think that's very short-sighted. Um, but if you think about it... Ace's Patrick expression... Mahomes, wait, Ace's expression just told the whole story when you said that. They, they shouldn't do it. <laughs> but, um, Why? Why? <laughs> we can get into the after this point. But I, I would say this. Jimmy G outplayed Patrick Mahomes for three... And now I want to say probably three, almost and a half quarters. He had about a a, a little a little over more than a, a quarter, almost a quarter, of a little bit inconsistent play. I wouldn't toss him out because of that. Um, if anything, there was some bad decisions on play calling where you maybe should have ran the ball a little bit more. But at the end of the day, if your defense is that defense. If your defense is the number one, you needed to get some stops. Yeah, they kind of – yeah, they probably should have gave them more than a 10-point lead, the 13. But still, if you that defense, then you stop them. And, and for the first three and a half quarters, Kansas City Chiefs didn't look good. Mahomes didn't look good. He stunk it up. I mean, two interceptions and almost a strip sack by Nick Bosa. Your defense is playing good. They just let it get. They let it get by them. They gave it a little crack, and Kansas City ran right through it. And the defense just couldn't stop them. So 
I'm not going to completely shit on Jimmy G too much. I'm going to say it's a combination of the both. The, like you said, they kind of, I don't want to say they let their foot off the gas, but they had some opportunities where they could have sealed the deal and the offense couldn't, but the defense just couldn't stop Kansas City when it needed to, when they were practically putting hands on them. And trust me, Patrick Mahomes was, was getting hit in that game. So they had a blueprint for him. They just, a seven-minute stretch where the defense just, you know, couldn't do anything with it. And unfortunately for the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, seven minutes is all they needed to, to you know, turn a 10-point deficit into, what, a 21-point lead? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But that's also, I mean, but you – And not a 20-point lead. What, 11-point lead, was it? It was 11-point lead. 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Really, yeah. Might as well be twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> but you also got to give credit, and like I said, I, that's why I give a little bit more credit towards Kansas City's defense, um, because when they needed to stop them in the fourth quarter, they did exactly that. Um, so I, and like I said, I, to me, and, and at least me personally, I thought that their defense was suspect. Um, I thought that the defense was going to give up a lot of plays, big plays. Um, where the 49ers had a good chance of coming back and winning the game. Um, but, like I said, they, st- they stand pat and did what they needed to do. Uh, so I have to give kudos because I was definitely um, worried about their defense, but Kansas City's defense definitely proved me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. To an extent. To an extent. <laughs> I-, I put blame on Jimmy G because he missed some open receivers down the stretch. And uh, I could, yeah, I, yeah, he he deserves some blame. Kyle Shanahan definitely deserves some blame, but I wouldn't put the whole thing on, on. At least I'm not putting the whole thing on Jimmy G's shoulders. Not, not at all. So, so which brings us to an interesting point where I was discussing that there has been some speculatory talk that if. The great Tom Brady decides he wants to bounce from uh, New England, which I think he's not. And maybe the Oakland Raiders or the San Francisco 49ers should pose a trade to send Jimmy G back to New England and pick up Tom Brady uh, for another year or two. So that's probably all rumored. I don't think he's going anywhere. But Ace, what do you think about that? Because that's your 49ers. So, so you're telling me that you're going to pick up Tom Brady, bench Jim Garoppolo, stunt his growth, just so that you could make another run in the Super Bowl? Well, they would obviously trade Jimmy G. For what? And then, then we back in, uh, then we back in football purgatory for so many years trying to find a uh, trying to find a quarterback. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. But you have to under, a lot of a lot of 49ers fans are not too thrilled with Jimmy's, you know, being the quarterback. You do realize. Yeah, I realize that, but he only lost six games in, in all the games that he ever started. He's like 21 and six. So what do you tell those 49er fans who are wanting to get rid of Jimmy G? Dude, pump your brakes. You got a young quarterback. You got a young squad. You got talent. <laughs> you know, put a little bit more, uh, get a few more pieces. You need somebody that's going to replace Richard Sherman. 
you know, you got you, you could probably go with another uh, linebacker and probably some more DB depth. You know, you could always use another uh, a playmaker on offense. Damn. <laughs> and not like the running back core is like we have somebody that's like an Ezekiel Elliott or a uh, or whoever else is a, a top running back in the NFL. You know, we got a three-headed monster, but you would love to have a, a bell cow at your number one. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different things. Look, let Tom Brady go to Miami. Let Tom Brady go to L.A. I'm sorry. Let Tom Brady go to Vegas. Let him sell out the Raiders in their first year or two and then keep keep moving. You know, ridiculous to think that we're going to sit there and pick up Tom Brady for a year and trade Jimmy G just so that we can sit there and hope that we can find another quarterback in the future. Now get the hell about it here. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. I, I just asked the question. <laughs> I, I, I asked the question too. I, I totally think when I when I heard that talk more, I thought that was completely ridiculous. I was like, it's as the society is, there's a prisoner of the moment knee-jerk reaction to everything. And I think it's a knee-jerk reaction to what happened in the fourth quarter of the game. You don't toss the man out. He was pretty goddamn good. And remember, before he got there, he sucked. When he got there, he won some games. When he got hurt, they didn't win any games. When he came back, now he had the Super Bowl. So pump the brakes. I mean, you look at the MVP, Lamar Jackson. Where was he at? For all the stuff that he did, he got bounced in the first round. Right. Right. I mean, Tom Brady bounced. So it was a lot. Of, I mean, look, you could, have, you could go back to the Matthew Stafford days or, you know, what is it, Tim – I'm, I'm going to go back all the San Francisco quarterbacks, but Jesus Christ, you got a good quarterback there. A lot of teams are would love to get Jimmy G in their backfield. Exactly. So, so they need to relax. You know, yeah. so, so many other so many other positions that we can sit there and show up, but yet you want to sit there and bring Tom. And Tom Brady's a system quarterback. Anybody look outside of Jimmy G. And and maybe that's why they feel Tom Brady would be a perfect fit. But outside of outside of Jimmy G, any quarterback, and okay, Jacoby Brissett. Outside of Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett, any quarterback that's come out at that New England uh, New England tree has been shitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about Drew? Bledsoe. When he left New England, where did he yeah. go? Yeah, Dallas. Who? Drew Bessel. He went to Dallas, and he was uh, he was so so. But New England wasn't that New England that we know and love. That's true. That's true. You're talking about Matt Castle. That's true. He went went to Kansas City. Was a bum. Fuck it up. Yeah. (laughs) Fair point. Fair point. So I get your point. There is a track record of um, Tom Brady understudies not faring so well. So when you look at it, Jimmy G faring the best, but he got put in a very good situation. Now, mind you, the record was 4-12 and before he got to San Francisco fans, and when he got there, guess what? You guys are in the fucking Super Bowl, so all you commentators, stop being a prisoner at the moment. Jimmy G is a good quarterback. He had a bad quarter. It just, bought, it just bit him at the end of the game, so 
Oh, well, but that is the NFL is over for now. If you want to watch the XFL that starts uh, this weekend or next weekend, I'm not sure. I may passively look at it to see what the hell's going on. But outside of that, baseball, baseball, baseball. So the LA Dodgers that did a trade with the Boston Red Sox to get not just Mookie Betts, but um, what's the pitcher? David Price. David Price. I'm about to say Mark Price. David <laughs> David Price. How the hell did that go on in H as a New York Yankees fan? How the heck did the <laughs> Yankees feel right about it? Because he's not, they're not with the Boston Red Sox. They're over in LA, so that's a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Well, I look at it as Boston was never sold on David Price. They had that expensive, that expensive contract on him. And he could be a, a great regular season pitcher, but he sucks in the postseason. Even though he helped them win, a, uh, I'm about to say he had. A- <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying he didn't help them win. I'm just saying that you know he doesn't have the, the best track record in the postseason as far as uh, a winning pitcher. But from what I was reading, it looks like uh, Boston is trying to get underneath that luxury tax, and they're trying to. I really think what they're trying to do, they're trying to follow the Yankees model from three years ago and three, three, four years ago when the Yankees wouldn't sit there and bite on nobody and they sat there and shaped contract and just developed the farm. And then they found the Glaber Torres's and the, uh, and uh, what's our catcher's name? Jeez, I can't think of his name. Sanchez, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez and Levy, uh, Cervino and, some other farm hands that just turned out to be really great. I think that's what Boston wants to do. Whether or not they'll be successful or not, I don't know. But you don't – it's funny. I was reading some of the – on Bleacher Report where they talked about some of the uh, greatest text about the uh, the blockbuster trade. And they said uh, the last time that Boston did something like this is when they traded away uh, Babe Ruth. So and and Mookie Betts had better they kind of adjusted how Babe Ruth stats was compared to modern day stats and they said that Mookie Betts stats are better than Babe Ruth. So they're saying that it's gonna be the curse of Mookie Betts is the reason why Boston won't win something for the next 70, 80 years. <laughs> but you know. I, I'm not mad at what Boston is trying to do, but in the same sense, you give away probably your top three pitcher and your top player on offense and expect to get something in return. So we'll see. You know, I'm not complaining. My, my Yankees are very cold and we good. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't think a lot of Red Sox fans is happy with this trade at the moment, um, especially sending Mookie Betts and David Price. Um, and to be honest, um, I just found out that it was a third team involved um, with the Minnesota Twins as well. So yeah. um, I could see this being like a fire sale, so to speak, for them to start following that model. And I would not be surprised if – this comes in as a blessing in disguise for um, some of the Boston Red Sox fans. Um, 
not saying this season, of course, but who's to say in, in year two um, that this would benefit them some way, shape, or form. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, for L.A. standpoint, that is going to be interesting because it kind of it solidifies that L.A. is going to be a force to be reckoned with um, this season, this upcoming season. So we'll see how that handles. Um, I think that overall, this is just it's, – it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting season for Boston fans. Um, whether or not they're going to be okay with it, um, it's not going to be the immediate impact. Of course, they're going to take a, di- a step back, but somewhere down the road, they're building towards the future. And I think Red Sox fans need to understand that this year may not be the year for them um, to look for the future um, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was crazy when I first heard it. I was surprised, but, you know, the more you read into it, you know, at least from the, the Red Sox standpoint, it's kind of one of those moves where I think Mookie was going to want a lot more money than Boston Red Sox were willing to pay. And as, you know, A said, they didn't, they wanted to get under, that, you know, that luxury tax and, and signing Mookie to a whatever deal he wanted was probably going to put them way over the tax. So, um, so I know the Boston Red Sox fans. I have a couple of Boston Red Sox fans at work. They had some long faces when I saw them this morning. So uh, obviously they're not pleased about that when you trade away, you know, the former MVP of the, of the league and you know one of the top you know pitchers in the league. Um, it's definitely about shedding some, shedding some money, getting some cap space, and trying to, I guess, as they said, try to work that model that the Yankees did, where they kind of had to take a step back a little bit in order to take, you know, three steps forward, they had to take two steps back to kind of, you know, restructure and kind of move forward. So, I mean, to me, to my opinion, the Yankees are still, even with the, especially with the Garrett Cole signing, I think the Yankees are still the team early favorite to beat in that league. I mean, Boston Red Sox would probably still make some noise, but, I think Tampa, the Tampa Rays, I mean, Tampa Devil Rays are definitely going to be right there. But Dodgers, whew, that lineup with, with Betts and Bellinger and and uh, Seager, that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty fun, from it before. And to me, I think the LA Dodgers are putting all their chips in the middle of the table right now and saying, we got these guys. We need to get a chip within the next one or two years. I agree. Not to mention, uh, Kershaw and now Price <laughs> and all the other pitches that they have. So, yeah, to me, that's what it sounds like. That's like all chips to the table. We we going for it. We going for it. We going for it right now. Yep. They better produce. Everybody's seeing that the Houston Astros. Yeah, because Houston Astros are definitely taking a step back with all the other. Even though they did get um. Um, they just signed their manager. Um, name escapes me right now. Um, ah, the Houston signed the the brother man as their as their manager. Dusty um, Baker. Huh? Dusty Baker. Yeah, Dusty yes. Baker. So, I mean, he's going to have a <laughs> an interesting time this year, but. I think Houston Rockers are definitely going to take a slide back, but um, I think Dodgers are like, yo, we're going for it, we're going for it right now. They just better produce. That's all that – I mean, because 
if they don't like make the playoffs or anything, that that's gonna be a killer. LA is just gonna rip them apart. Well, so with all the the all the acquisitions that they're getting now, they have to produce. I, I still say don't count out the Nats just yet in the National League because they still got a formidable uh, pitching staff. It's just that losing Rendon in the offseason after they won the, the World Series was uh, pretty tough. But if they want to sit there and try to make one more blockbuster trade, they, I mean, it's very much possible. Or they could just hang Pat, you know, stand Pat and see how their lineup uh, holds out and then kind of – you know, play the uh, the free agent deadline or the trade deadline to see how they can uh, make out after the fact. But I wouldn't count out the Nats just yet. I mean, granted, yes, don't get me wrong. You got two MLB uh, MVP, MVP caliber players with, uh, with the Dodgers, but I mean, Philly made some noise regardless if it's a little bit of noise. Nationals are still the Nationals. You know, they're the team to beat. The Braves are still the Braves. And there's still some teams up in there that can contend. But, you know, obviously, baseball is still a, a game of skill, a game of hand-eye coordination. Ain't that much steroids in the world that can make you sit there and be a better player. You know, you still got to learn how to have a hand-eye coordination, all that good stuff. So, you know, I don't count on anybody. But the, the Dodgers are pretty damn formidable. I will say that. <laughs> Indeed. So it's definitely going to be interesting summer. I mean, spring. Um, of course, the spring training and, and the season starts off in about what? Two? Next week. Three months? Next week. Next week. It's spring training about to kick off, man. I mean, that actual season starts off, I'm saying. Oh, end of March. End of March, yeah. So about, yeah, roughly almost two months. Mm-hmm. So... Ah, business is picking up with baseball as usual. <laughs> so um, before we go, we want to flip the script over to the NBA. Obviously, um, with Kobe's passing, that is kind of now moved on. The business of the NBA also moves on. So with the NBA trade deadline, trade deadline, there's a couple of trades, but the big one was the, the 14, 12-man swap <laughs> that went on. So let me make sure I get all this straight. Say, so everyone is you can get there all right. So Minnesota acquires Atlanta's Evan Turner and um, Denver's Jared Vanderbilt. The Nuggets get Minnesota's guard, Shabazz Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can get the pronunciation of the name correct. Kadiet Bates-Diop for um, Noah Valen and, bang, injured guard uh, Gerald Green. Um, the Atlanta Hawks get um, Houston center Nene. Um, Houston also receives Jordan Bell. They get a, um, a pick from um, – second-round pick from Atlanta and from Vita Golden State Warriors. Atlanta is waving Charles, Charles Parson, and Clint Capella goes to Atlanta Hawks. And that was a lot there. Big so, hold up. Atlanta gets Nene and Capella? Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, now they got some serious depth, and now they're giving some, uh, some help to Trey Young. Because now you got the bench, you know, you can come off with Nene. Not like Capella has ever been some offensive juggernaut, but, I mean, it's still better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Houston Rockets still have a, about $12 million of cap flexibility, which means they can still be players 
um, with the trade deadline um, ending tomorrow at 3 p.m. So that means the Houston Rockets are playing small ball really because I don't think they got anybody over 6'9 six, six, or 6'10 on that squad as it currently stands right now. So Tyson Chandler. Does he play? <laughs> he will be now. <laughs> he will be now. So what do you guys think of thoughts about this um, this trade? It's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, with the trade deadline coming up tomorrow, um, this is just the tip of the iceberg, I have a feeling. Um, especially with some of those teams out there that was just mentioned that made trades. Um, really believe that I have, I mean, right now from what I'm hearing from the rumors, um, I'm more about the trade itself with Minnesota um, receiving Beasley, Turner, Vanderbilt, and some of the picks is all well and good, but they're still looking to try to get um, D'Angelo. Um, they're trying to move heaven and earth to get D'Angelo Russell um, in Minnesota. Um, so I know that there's still some talks with that. I think Atlanta um, getting Clint Capella and Nene um, just tells me that they're going to make another trade as well somewhere down the road because they got a lot of centers and power forwards at that position. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as to what Atlanta's move is. I think Clint Capella is an upgrade over the center that they have, but, you know, that means somebody else is going to get moved. Um, but I think the the most puzzling was Houston um, giving away Clint Capella and Nene. Um, I'm still trying to understand that. Um, getting Jordan Bell and Robert Covington, I mean, I can understand, but to do that and give up Clint Capella, Nene, I just don't see what their path is. If they are trying to make it to the championship, I don't know if they're going to do it with just with this current roster that they have. So I'm just curious to see something else has to give. I, I'm just not buying that this, these four teams um, did this to think that they was going to improve their squad. I think that they're going to do this and then there's another trade going down the road for a couple of those teams. Um, I'm in a wait and see mood. I'm sure we will be uh, touching on this topic again come next week because then the trade, you know, deadline will be finalized. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, Al, uh, as a Brooklyn Nets fan, mm -hmm. that you guys have stand, you know, stood pat there for a minute. Do you think there'll be any sort of movement in the Nets? Because they're they're definitely entrenched in the playoff hunt. I think they were the fifth seed, sixth seed, or something like that. Seven, no, seventh. They're right now they're the seventh, but they they're losing ground, um, and it, it's a concern because right now they're seventh, but they still have a losing record. Even though they just won tonight over um, Golden State, they still have a losing record. So it's it's a cause for concern. I definitely you know see that, um, but right now they're seventh seed. Um, Magic is the eighth seed um, behind them. Do you think they're going to make a move? I mean, um, and we, we do know that this is the, the year that Kyrie would have some injuries. So with that being said, you know, next year they'll be better because Kyrie and KD will be healthy. But, of course, you want to make sure that, you know, you want to look at what you got going on right now. So, um, In a nutshell, if they make a move, it won't be for a short-term move. It'll be for a long-term. Whatever moves that they'll make, they're setting it up so that they, they'll be with 
whoever it is that'll be playing for, with next year with KD and Kyrie. Um, that's where I see. I mean, there's rumors Lakers were interested in Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, even talks about doing a straight up trade for Kyle Kuzma. I don't think people, Nets fans, would want to do that at this stage. Um, those are just those are rumors. Um, not for nothing, but um, the only thing that Brooklyn needs to do right now is just show up their power forward position. Um, so they need to shore that up. If they make moves, it's not going to be anything big. I don't think it's going to be something minor um, to set up for next season. So, um, but we, I, you know, I just don't see Brooklyn making a move that will do anything major at this moment. Do you think trading for Nene would be a bad idea? Yes. Okay. Because we already have someone similar to him in DeAndre Jordan. So. Oh, true, true. I keep forgetting about him. He, he ain't really making no noise, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jared Allen's been playing, um, playing very well right now. So that's why DeAndre is okay with where he is right now off the bench. So. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I'm the Nets, maybe make some ancillary moves, you know, maybe to try to equip the bench with a little more depth, but I don't think you do any major wholesale changes because you don't even have all of your people there yet. So you don't know how everyone's going to mesh and you don't want to trade a piece that could have been able to mesh well with both KD and Kyrie, even though they're not playing well. But I mean, I'll be shocked if they do anything major, but if they kind of move some things to probably add another, you know, complimentary player to Kyrie or some bench players, maybe, but no major wholesale changes right now just because you don't have Kyrie and KD on the court, so you don't know how that current roster looks all together. Yeah, and I'm be honest with you, I mean, because I know there was talk about, well, it all depends on Kyrie meshing with everybody else um, because of his, I guess, the talk about him um, saying that we need one or two more pieces on the team. Me personally, at first I was kind of upset because I was so in love with last year's team, um, how everybody was together, how nobody didn't talk about anybody. Everybody was playing together, willing to sacrifice um, when they had D'Angelo um, and um, some of the other pieces there. And this is a different team and this is a different experience with the players on that team. So um, I'm not going to say too much about it because right now I'm not even like watching the Nets play because I'm so um, not thrilled of how they're performing, especially I think they've been subpar this, at least up to now. Um, so this is really like me as a Brooklyn Nets fan is like disappointed of how the season progressed so far. But I'm also taking it with a grain of salt. So I'm not even going to worry about them. I think that I'll be concerned if they make any major changes during the deadline. Um, I don't think they are. I think they're really going to stand pat, maybe a tweak here or there. Um, but nothing major where I see a significant player leaving the Brooklyn Nets at this stage. Good, good. Yeah. So oh. Let's talk about that other trade. <laughs> oh, that one, and I was going to say also talk about the Knicks. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what more can you say about the Knicks? All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of felt bad when they fired um, Steve Mills, but uh, based off of the body of work, it, it should have been done a while ago. Me personally. Um, 
but the GM should have been gone. Um, and now they're saying it's open season to the majority of the people. Um, they're eyeing a lot of people as well. So I'm. let me get y'all thoughts on it because I could talk all, all day about the Knicks. It won't be good. No. Not, I mean, it's, that's probably another that, – that's another conversation for another call. But uh, I'm yeah. going to say that, you know, the Knicks have been a, a bad situation for about 15 to 20 years. Um, Dolan has not made it easy. All the good people that have gone there have all flamed out, GMs, coaches. I thought they made a good hire with Fisdale. I thought they just didn't give Fisdale the necessary pieces to work with. Um they put all their eggs in the in the basket of A, getting that first round pick to get Zion, and B, getting Kyrie, KD, or both. And then when Kyrie and KD both opted for Brooklyn and you didn't get the number one pick, you didn't have anything, you didn't have a contingency plan behind that, whether that's Steve Mills or whatever. But in my opinion, the fault wasn't Fisdale. I mean, Fisdale, you asking Fisdale to make wine out of water, and he just couldn't do it. And so he made he was made the scapegoat. Then Dolan's making Steve Mills the scapegoat because they look so bad. At the end of the day, like I said, the whole conversation, but it all starts at the top. And I don't know who wants to go there as long as Dolan A is on the team or B keeps sticking his nose in the in in the GM's business. But, yeah, I completely agree. So, I know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, when you know for a fact that the GM wasn't going to last when majority of the signings that he did pre- in this year have been nothing but small power forwards and centers. Like, that alone should have been a telling sell. You got, like, four or five quality players that play the same position. That wasn't good. That wasn't good at all. And like you said, it was setting David Fisdale up for failure uh, because what can he do with the roster that he was put in front of him? He can't do nothing. So, it's a great coach. I think he just was in a, a, a bad situation, and I hope that he gets another coach. He should get another coaching job soon because I don't think that Nick's job was indicative of his talents. And what, yeah. what do you think about Dolan's uh, – Aspirations of getting a jury from uh, Toronto. Again. It's it's going to require a lot of cash and some picks. And right now, the Knicks need all the picks they can they can get. But what, here's what kills me. I get that that is something that you are trying to do. Why would you put it out there? Have you not learned your lesson with the whole Zion thing, first-round pick? Haven't you not learned your lesson with the Kyrie and KD coming to New York? Why put it out there that you want him? And now you're putting hopes in, in the Knicks or fans thinking that, oh, yeah, maybe we can get him. Who's to say that, majority, that he may not just, just stay in Toronto? I mean, he, is, he has all the leverage. And you putting it out there that you want him. Does Masai Drew even want to come to New York? Does he even want to be involved with this whole organization, knowing that James Dolan is who he is? Like, just because you say you want something doesn't mean the other party is going to be, okay, well, if he wants me, I'm going to come over there. It doesn't work that way. So 
I, I'm just baffled why they keep putting this out there in the media so that to get their fans' hopes up. Why talk about something that you know, that, I mean, that may or may not have happened yet? Like, Messiah Jewry can be like, yo, I never even had a conversation with Nick's organization. Like, it's, it, I'm still baffled by it. Like, why are you putting your business out there like that? I mean, if you want him, if you're pursuing him, keep it on the low until at least you have a conversation with him or set up some type of meeting. Don't be like that whole incident with Katie and Kyrie when you didn't even have a meeting to begin with, but yet you had fans thinking that you was com- they was coming to New York to the Knicks. So <sighs> Dolan needs to be careful. Uh, Dolan needs to be careful. I- I- that's all I can say about that. Yeah, just keep quiet. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's going. Um, but like you said, you put yourself at a weakened position because it's out there that you would like to get him. Toronto is not going to let him walk away. And if they exactly. do, you're going to be paying a king's ransom for it. So Exactly, exactly. So, like oh. I don't know. <laughs> but I do got to say this real quick um, about the whole um, Iguodala now leaving to um, the trade. Um, going, he's now going to Miami uh, for Justice Winslow. I, I have to say this because of the beef, quote unquote, um, that was going back and forth on social media. Which I thought was, which I thought was funny as all heck. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, and this goes back to this whole unspoken rule that goes on in the NBA and stuff like that. I mean, I get it that you have to respect the people that helped you, that paved the way. I understand that. But if the person doesn't want to be a part of the team, you can't get mad. People can't get mad at the teammates because he doesn't want to be a part of them. Like, I, I, John Morant and um, Dylan Books, um, I have no problems with them saying what they said about Andre Iguodala. Um, because he didn't want to be a part of the team. I have no problems whatsoever. I get it. You, if you, you know, I get, I have no problems with Stephen Curry defending Andre Iguodala. Don't have a problem with none of that. But, you know, I, people saying that rookies need to stay in their lane, you know, this guy's won multiple championships. That's all well and good. He won multiple championships with Golden State. What has he done for the Memphis Grizzlies? Nothing. He hasn't played a single game. He doesn't even want to be a part of the team. So I can't get mad at Dylan Brooks and John Morant if somebody doesn't want to be a part of the team, let them go. And that's what they was all they were saying. Like, if he don't want to be a part of the team, we don't need him. Bounce. That's all they were saying. Like, I can't be mad at that. I'm not going to be mad at that. Like, people need to just relax and, you know, have a true understanding that when you're a part of the team, you got to be totally committed. If you're not totally committed, there's no other choice to be why why we need to keep you around as being a part of the team if you're not totally committed. That's how I see it. So um, it's a good thing that they moved on with the Andre Iguodala situation because now um, Memphis can now focus on doing what they need to do and get that behind them now. I agree. But they better shut the hell up too if, uh, if they play uh, Miami and Iggy drops, I don't know, let's just say he dropped 22 and 10. Yeah, no, I could. Wins. 
I completely agree. I know. I if if if, if you're bold enough to talk and you know and do all these things, you got to be bold enough to back it up. That's how I see it, without question. Yeah, I'm with you, Al. I uh, I like the comments. I like John Moran. Um, I like you know the Grizzlies have definitely surprised a lot of people. I don't think they expected what they're seeing from them this season. Definitely playing great. Um, yeah, I mean, the man got traded to Memphis. He obviously didn't want to be there. Memphis, A, didn't have to trade for him. But B, could have moved him someplace else a lot sooner. Um, but they let him collect a check on the 1st and the 15th. For this amount of time, he never came in. And so there was some reports that he didn't have a conversation with the team. there. But I do understand where John Morant um, and the guys over there feel that way, that, hey, if you're here, you're with the team. But if you just opt not to come in at all and not step foot in, you know, stadium facilities, then you don't think you're going in with us. But um, I think that's actually a, a great pickup for the, um, the Miami Heat. Um, he's been rested for what, almost half the season. So he's definitely probably going to come back rejuvenated, energized. I think he signed for two years. Thirty million dollars, so which means he's going to be playing, <laughs> and he's going to he's going to be playing in Miami. So that's definitely going to be a good squad. But I like the feistiness of it. I mean, um, like, but like I said, like you said, Ace. Now you're talking about we can't wait to play him again. Okay, you about to get your uh, <laughs> you about to get your choice now. So you got to put up or shut up. Exactly. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. Uh, but like I said, can't talk if you're not if you're not about it. You gotta be about it. If you you're gonna put up. You're gonna talk. Make sure yeah. you handle your business. I do believe John Moran is gonna be one of those guys that I think yeah. Woo! Cash money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I definitely think that uh John Moran is definitely from what I've seen, he's definitely going to back up his words. So both of them are. So I mean, we'll see. It's, it's, I like the feistiness and I like the trash talk. It's all, it's all basketball, baby. Well, everybody, uh, we are about on that time right about now. So uh, we want to appreciate everyone from listening to our podcast, subscribing. Um, we're on all the mediums. You can, you can find us where you want it. Um, so right before we go, everybody, let them know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And you can find me on so Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on the Gram, Snapchat, and Twitter at J.E. Ross, number seven. Um, and as always, we want to say thank you for listening to us and taking time out of your day. Um, with that, love, peace, and soul. Until Ooh. next time. After all. Bless. just want to say happy 24 to those at GE, Gamma Epsilon, West Virginia University, spring 1996. Ah. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh.